Hello friends, welcome back to Meg Living Inside Out. This is episode two on our series of learning slow living. Unlearning fast living. One of the things that my husband and I were talking about the other day was how drug addicts have their appreciation for dopamine ruined. And I have a very addictive personality, so while I've not personally ever tried any drugs, I have a great deal of sympathy for drug addicts and this process because of what I know in my own life. The currency of the brain is dopamine. It is just the happy chemical. And so in fast living, in addition to Um, any kind of addiction. And uh, let me first define fast living. Fast living is when you have a very high pace. You have a very, you have a lot of information coming in all at once. You're doing a lot of things. You're very busy. And so um, the, the body and the mind become accustomed to that. They become accustomed to a very fast pace. And to someone who is used to that, um, even if it's just taking in a lot of data on social media and constantly checking notifications, checking that red dot, having one more at reply, having three more likes, that in my mind is a fast pace. And so to someone with a fast pace, stepping off of social media, um, is slow living and initially it feels like boredom i am recording this sitting in my neighbor's backyard watching the trees watching her dog chew on his ball watching the vultures soar peacefully and silently above above the green trees and the blue sky there's the occasionally the sound of some wind chimes. There's some little windmobiles that flutter over the garden. But it's very calm. It's very slow. And to me, this feels like peace. But to old me, it would have felt like boredom. Now, in the era of life when we are is trying to escape our present circumstances. And this is very common for anybody who's been through trauma. You know, it's like, okay, my present reality sucks. Let me try and think about either the past or the future. Um, and so I would think about the past and I would berate myself. And, you know, the way that my friend phrased it once was I would crawl under the bed and smear poop on my face, which is just a very graphic but accurate um, uh, kind of visualization for the process of, you know, beating yourself up on the inside and just, you know, not treating yourself properly um, and with the respect that God would have you treat yourself. But that also begs the question, why do we do that as a form of escapism? My theory is that because the present is uncomfortable, we try to escape to the past 
because we're trying to create an alternate reality. We are trying to hypothesize, you know, if I what what could I have done differently so that I wouldn't be in pain or discomfort presently. And then we hope that we can apply that to the present so then we can be in less discomfort in the future. And um there's definitely benefits to reflection, but um, obviously this expression of th- that this kind of reflection is not profitable. Um, you know, especially when your mind is rehearsing things that you have no control over at this point. Only the only thing you have control over them is how you think about them, the way that you think about them. And I was laying in bed last night, and God is so gracious, y'all. There were a couple of things, and I don't even remember what they were in this moment. There were a couple of things where my brain kind of stepped on the doorway, on the threshold, and looked down the path of, remember that time when this happened, and I did this, and that was so stupid? And God in his grace reminded me that his grace was big enough for that interaction. And it was like he took my hand and he walked me away from that path mentally. And that is a kind of freedom that I you cannot put a price tag on that. I I, I wish I could... <laughs> I wish there were little coupons I could put in the mail and send out to each and every one of you. Like, you don't have to think about that anymore. Be free, child. Um, uh, but even as I say that, I am... Yesterday, I ordered more uh, stickers. Um, technically, they're labels, which are thinner than stickers. And Anyways of the Jesus enough hands image that I'm so excited to just send to everyone everywhere. Um, and if you haven't seen that, you can visit my website in So, um, so we, we try to run to the past as a form of escapism, as a form of preventative escapism, but it mostly just results in you're beating yourself up. But there's another kind of escapism that we have to unlearn in order to live in the present. Um, And that is trying to live in the future. And if we're living in the future, um, we're... We're making up a story of what we wish our life would be like. And so this has a lot of different expressions. And I, one of the things that the phrases that I've heard is you have to declutter your fantasy self. Um, And so the minimal mom has talked about this. I haven't watched her whole video on it, but it looked very interesting. And I was like, oh yeah, I've, I've, I've walked through that. Um, But a lot of times this looks like um, reblogging very epic scenery 
on Tumblr and wishing, oh, if only I could travel to that beautiful place, then I would be happy and content and at peace. And the unfortunate truth is that you would bring your fast-paced escapism with you, and it would actually prevent you from enjoying (laughs) that travel and experience. Um, You would really have to settle into the boredom of sitting there and appreciating the beauty and just that one place wherever you were and and again you, you can't be you can't be fast paced living if you're going to rest and be slow paced living um, so that was one of the things that I found myself doing on social media or content media, um, which is what I would categorize, um, Pinterest and Tumblr, depending on how you use it. Um, you know, oh, I wish I lived in that house. I wish that I could go see that beauty or scenery or nature. And the challenge that I have kind of given myself over the years is to, all right, let me throw this ball. Oh, it's a half a ball at this point, but, you know, it it still counts. Um, One of the challenges that I've given myself over the years has been to actually just go outside and enjoy the beauty and the nature that I do have access to. Um, You know, I've I've never had the opportunity to travel internationally. I mean, I, I visited Montreal once as a child before you needed a passport, but it looked very similar to upstate New York. Um, so most of my international adventures and um, cultural learnings came from living in South Florida for nine years and having the opportunity to interact with a bunch of internationals. And so people brought their culture and their way of life to me, and that was an incredible gift that I... I've taken for granted and I'm not taking for granted anymore. So, um, but to get back to this whole idea of travel, you know, I, I, I used to think, oh, if only I could go to, um, the, that Bible college in Hungary and, you know, get to see Europe and travel the mountains and what have you. And, and obviously that never happened. Um, you know, then I would be happy, then I would be fulfilled, and then my soul would be whole. And the challenging truth is that, yes, traveling and learning different cultures does expand your mind, but it it does not heal you the way that, um, the way that we wish it would, um, you know, the desire that we are feeling in that moment that we're projecting on the travel is the desire to be in heaven and be with Christ and experience all of the beauty that he is curating there for us. Um, and I, I truly believe there'll be mountains and vistas and lakes in heaven and um, um, just beauty and like 
all of the animals here on earth, like, why wouldn't they be in heaven? Animals were part of the Garden of Eden, so um, friendship with animals in the garden was part of the original plan. So why wouldn't we have friendship with animals in heaven? And, and in heaven where there is no death. So it's that, it's that desire that we're projecting onto this idea of international travel. And so, um, but, but international travel isn't the only future escapism. You know, there's, you know, if I only lived in that house or, or had that family and, and the truth is I live in a beautiful home with a wonderful husband and I still fight anxiety along with the rest of y'all. So, um, and, and yes, getting the house tidy and beautiful has been a huge blessing. Don't get me wrong. Um, but <laughs> there's something about getting outside and I mean, I live in a very peaceful, quiet neighborhood too, which is absolutely magical. Um, there's something in the air that calms my anxiety and, um, maybe it's the negative ions. I just, I think it's the fresh air and it does something for me that I, I don't get when I'm sitting in the house. I don't get it when I'm laying in my bed, scrolling beautiful vistas on social media. I, there is something about being outside that is just amazing. And I, I've never regretted going outside. I mean, with the occasional disclaimer that, you know, heavy rain and bitterly cold snow is not always fun. But um, when I lived in South Florida, I made it a goal of mine to try and visit the beach once a week. And I found that when I did that, even when the weather wasn't great, there was still beauty and beauty from God that nourished my soul. And I found that I never regretted going outside. So definitely get outside. <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm really excited to plant a garden this year. I really want to grow a lot of fresh herbs. I want to grow dill and thyme, and I want to make a homemade ranch dressing with Greek yogurt and free of seed oils and, you know, dip fresh veggies in it. I want to grow cherry tomatoes, um, so that is my plan for gardening this year. And I've got my my pots lined up in a good sunny place. And um, um, hopefully a year or two from now, I'll have raised garden beds where I can you know, grow more veggies and stuff. But um, growing a garden is also one of the things that teaches you slow living and specifically it helps you to unlearn fast living um, you have to wait to see the seedlings sprout you have to wait to see them grow to maturity and 
God built that in to nature. You know, gardening is part of our original calling as humans. And I think that's why houseplants are having such a renaissance right now um, with everyone you know, being all about their houseplants. And yes, houseplant, houseplant content on the, on the internet is definitely a thing. Um, and, um, I love it, but also I only have so much sun in my house. It's pretty shaded. So I have to be very particular about, okay, how many plants do I need and where do I put them so they could actually thrive? <laughs> um, but gardening is part of the original plan. You know, if you look at the story of the Bible, it began in a garden and it ends in a garden. So even if you're in a city or something, <laughs> a, a difficult environment, um, I hope, I hope that you will begin to experiment with gardening in with whatever sunny windowsill you have and start to learn okay how much sunlight does this get and what are the needs of this plant and all those sorts of things because that that also teaches us to slow down and you know appreciate the new leaf and the process of it unfolding over days and weeks but we have to unlearn fast living <laughs> and I say that as I'm about to throw the ball again oh, you don't want me to throw the ball? okay, sounds good <laughs> sweet boy and I talked about this in my last episode of this but um, it's been a few months since then and I I kind of want to reiterate I'm still posting on social media but I'm not relational on social media I don't pressure myself to be relational on social media and that has been a really helpful change for me um Because I go on and all of all of my friends, um, they have my phone number. And so if we want to connect, we can text each other. And yes, removing the middleman from long-distance relationships, the middleman of social media, I'm going to say a coherent sentence, <laughs> removing the middleman of social media from long-distance relationships is challenging. And some relationships don't survive that because, you know, depending on the, the skill set of the other person and their ability to maintain a long-distance relationship without a middleman. Um, but that's been very... It's been hard and it's, it's been boring, honestly. But it's been really, it's been really beneficial. Um... And <laughs> to repeat myself, yes, I need to talk about this when I talk about long-distance relationships, but um, something that I do is I'll, 
I'll check in on a bunch of people at once and then I'll draft, you know, inevitably that leads to them asking, well, how are you? And how can I pray for you? And I'll type out one response and I'll send it to multiple people. And that's also been very helpful and protective of my emotional energy. And also it's, I'm saying this from myself, more than anyone else it's not cheating to send the same thing individually to multiple people (laughs) uh you know when you write thank you notes for a wedding um you you kind of create a formula letter and then you have one sentence that you change based on the gift that person gave you and that's not cheating that's just being efficient and appreciative and the other person the the person who gets that thank you note they never see the the cards that you sent to other people and um (laughs) oh gosh I'm laughing at myself because I have such high expectations for um emotional connection and um And, and other people don't. And lowering my expectations for myself and just focusing on the adequacy of the interaction is a lot more fruitful in the long run than focusing on the depth and the meaning and the richness of that individual interaction. I'm the kind of person where I just want... I want depth and open, naked souls all the time. And that's just not realistic. (laughs) Um, That's not healthy on a large scale, number one. Um, And um, there's only so many... We only have so so much emotional energy to connect with so many people in that way. And even those people, you know, sometimes I I love my husband, husband. Yeah. Words are hard. It's also cold out here. So, um, I love my husband dearly, but you know, sometimes we just have conversations about what we're getting at the grocery store and it's just very functional and that doesn't negate the depth of our love for each other it's just this is the communication that we need to have to move forward with making lasagna or whatever it is that we're doing so i don't know that i'm doing this topic justice but i'm i'm trying and if i can get back to the original topic of unlearning fast-paced living. Um, I compared social media to a drug. And I, I would call it a relational slot machine. You know, you pull the lever and you get a different size thing each time. And so you think by pulling the lever more, you'll get more, but and it, it kind of becomes less and less and less. And... The reason that we run 
to slot machines versus facing the present is is escapism. And I, I've I've called friends out on this. I I've had to call myself out on this. Um, right now, when my brain kind of wants to escape to social media, I will pull up Sudoku and play a game, and it's it's a little bit of just like. It's, it's like bubblegum. <laughs> it gives me something to chew to kind of satiate the desire and then I set it down and I, I, I try to move on and focus on what is important. Um, and one of the beneficial things about su- playing Sudoku is that there's a fixed end point. Um, there, there's lots of games these days that are just continuous and that's not helpful for me. I mean, I appreciate Minecraft to the nth degree, but the only time my husband ever pulled an all-nighter in college was playing Minecraft. So the the, the continuous nature of that game is well documented. Um, and <sighs> many years ago, Back in 2004, I went to a summer camp um, for ballet at Boston Ballet, and we stayed in the dorms of Boston University, um, which were very lovely, adequate dorms. And the um, it to welcome us the the camp counselors or the RAs or whatever you want to call them, um, (laughs) the adults, um, they put like a little wreaths on our door and they had inspirational quotes on our, our doors on these wreaths. And I looked at my door and I looked at my quote because they had assigned names to each of them. And I, I decided that I didn't like my quote. So I I took that piece of paper, I pulled it off, I flipped it over, and I wrote on the back, live in the present, mindful of eternity. And (laughs) that phrase has always been challenging for me. You know, I have a very powerful imagination. I imagine stories of Elvarian. I imagine scenes for Kite Song's sisters, you know, the ability to create other worlds in our head is a skill. It's a gift. It's something that God has given us, but we have to use it properly. And living in the present often looks like facing boredom. And I have learned that when I accept the boredom and I lean into it I'm better able to appreciate the small things in life a good cup of tea a meaningful interaction with a friend um, even if it is just short and functional Um, the, the small things in life um, because if we're looking 
if if we're looking to get our dopamine highs from big things on social media or um adventures or roller coasters you know exciting things then if that becomes our normal then we can't embrace boredom and we can't appreciate the small things and I believe that that is what slow living is all about.